Welcome to 15 Minute Futures, the podcast with a Kiwi twist, where we explore the future in bite size. And today we're trying something new. For the first time, we'll be interviewing someone who is actually an expert on the topic we're talking about. And today the topic is sustainability with a little hint of climate change. And we're really privileged to be able to interview the chief executive of Wellington, a well-known think tank, the McGuinness Institute. Welcome to the show, Wendy McGuinness. Terrific to be here. Thank you. The Institute has been around for around 15 years now. What actual kind of projects do you work on and how do you know if you're having an impact? Yeah, it's a really good question because um, think tanks, of course, have all sorts of types of reputations around the world. I think the purpose for us was actually because we wanted a long-term discussion around New Zealand's long-term future. So the think tank actually came out of that purpose. Um, so it enables us to look at the work program every year. So, And we have patrons that we talk to. So we sort of decide what we think is the hot topic, what can we contribute to, or it might be a topic that no one's talking about that we actually think needs to be brought more into the um, discussion and the agenda. So what's, what's hot at the moment? Oh, climate change. Climate change is initially was an add-on in terms of public policy. Um, we're going to see it move to the centre and it's going to take over everything. And then almost climate change will disappear because it will be so embedded in the way that we run public policy. So drilling into that a little bit more, what do you think are the three most important or big trends that decision makers here in New Zealand should be thinking about? Yeah, I think um, the transition is going to be really um, significant. And I, I explain it to people, say we're going down a rabbit hole. We don't know where it's going to come up. So these issues are complex, they're integrated, they are messy, and there's a lot of self-interest. So for us to get some um, good decision-making is, is going to be probably our biggest challenge. The other issues are related to that. I'm a great believer in creating a talent-based economy, um, and so we need to upskill, we need creative people, um, we need to be a very sort of inclusive approach because diversity breeds innovation. And then lastly, really strong on this, justice. So how do we deal with poverty? The level of poverty that we've got in New Zealand at the moment is, is terrible. But if we don't transition well, um, are we going to magnify that poverty? And that I, don't, I just don't think we want to be that country with that level of poverty. Um, so, I mean, there's some really big challenges there. It quite relates to some of the other podcasts we've done recently around the future of work and the potential for us almost to, to go down one road where we're more equal and one road where we're much less equal. Um, so obviously some really big challenges there that we're, we're thinking through. I think it's a turning point for the world. Climate change is actually going to have to make us go back to the blackboard, clean it and then revisit what are the principles that we want going forward. In other words, we can't, we don't have the luxury of treating minority groups badly. Mm. We don't have the luxury of treating the environment badly. Pollution being lax and not looking after our democracies. So this is this is big. This is the biggest I've ever seen. And I never thought I would be sitting here today looking ahead and going, this is big. <laughs> so so yeah. obviously climate change is making us rethink everything there. But when you think about climate change, what do you actually see as the biggest challenge when you this maybe take it yeah. from a New Zealand perspective? Yeah. What can what, what what's the biggest challenge for us? Yeah, I heard um Prime Minister speak recently at the Just Transition Conference in New Plymouth late last week. She was talking about the difference between fear and hope. Um, my view is that that 
that discussion, how we understand and connect fear and hope is massively important. I'm of the view, um, and I and I wanted to quote um, a 16-year-old and a 93-year-old that I, I cannot move away from these two quotes for obvious reasons. Greta Thunberg, which of course made the quote, we must change almost everything in our current societies. Adults keep saying we owe it to the young people to give them hope. But I don't want your hope. I don't want you to be hopeful. I want you to panic. <laughs> and I and I really relate to that. Um, and then the second one is David Attenborough, 93. He recently stated, my generation is no great example for understanding. We have done terrible things. If we are not making progress with young people, we are done. And both of those really resonate with me. So if we want to deliver young people hope, we have to create action. And if we want to create action, we have to panic. Mm. So, so whether you're 16 or 93 or somewhere in between, what, what is that call to action? What can you do as an individual in New Zealand to make a difference? What well, do you think? well I, I think um, personally I would define it in one word as noise. It is, it is not an issue for government. It is an issue for every person in New Zealand. Mm. And um, I, I respect the Extinction Rebellion because what they're doing is actually saying we're not being heard and therefore they're trying to make noise to make people act. In New Zealand, I actually think both governments that we've had in the last sort of six or eight years have actually engaged with climate change and they have set goals. Um, the news definitely has got far worse in the last um, particularly six months in terms of the impacts and the speed of change. Um, I compare it with us um, being on a train and we're going towards a tunnel. Well, unfortunately, the tunnel has moved closer and the train has done nothing. So we need to um, move the train backwards yeah. and try and get away from the tunnel that is moving closer towards us. In many ways, the scientists have done their bit now. They've told us. So it's then up to us to respond to that. Mm. And we will respond that individually through consumerism and in regard to your point, um, in, in terms of redesigning democracy so that it works more effectively. We do, I don't personally want to have in New Zealand the, um, the sort of things that the um, Extinction Rebellion has been doing in, in London. Um, I, I think that we can be we can learn from that and we should be engaging much more heavily so that we, I think if it's like a, a pot boiling, um, the lid's rattling, we want to get the lid off the top of the pot, we want to have those really deep, good quality dialogues so that we are understanding the complexity of the system and designing public policy accordingly. Mm. So that sounds like you're you're asking for more opportunities for the public to engage yep. uh, in the discussion publicly. I mean, obviously protests are really a key way that we're seeing that people are doing that. Are there other ways that spring to mind? Um, well, we're, so, so we're not a pro, um, you know, I, I don't think I've ever held a banner, which is terribly embarrassing to admit. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm, I completely respect people that do, and they mm. play a very important role in society to create noise mm. um, because not a lot of us are built to be like that. But I, I would say what I think is really important is that there is a um, climate change strategy for New Zealand, something that, build, that builds um, and uh, is built on understanding that dialogue. 
And so what we're doing as an institute is we're having these public engagements. We're doing a youth workshop with Pacifica, young people 18 to 25, presenting some in Government House in July. Um, but we're working towards creating a McGuinness Institute, crowdsourced climate change strategy for New Zealand by the end of the year. And we really challenge other NGOs, governments, everyone and anyone to start trying to develop um, a dialogue around how we might tackle climate change. So that could be local government NZ, that could be um, a regional council, that could be uh, Z Energy, uh, could be the Climate Change Coalition guys, could be pure advantage. We need to see basically how, how people are trying to join the dots so that we can actually bring about change, so that we can get as much as we can ahead of the game because now the clock is ticking mm -hmm. and every moment that New Zealand can get ahead of this game, the better we will be. So I saw a media report today of record temperatures in the Arctic Ocean, 29 degrees or some, some crazy number. Do you think we've gone past the tipping point? A really good question. I was at the OECD last year at a um, conference in Paris and an economist there was asked this question. I was mortified and I will not forget it. He quietly said, and, he, and in a very considered, but almost his brain was speaking, not his verbally speaking, and, and he said, I think it's too late. Now, that horrifies me. I am a very optimistic, proactive person, but um, and, uh, and of course I have children. Um, I love this country. I love this planet. I think that we're amazing. Um, I am completely committed to engaging to make that not true. Mm. And um, if it is too late, should we be looking for another planet? Yeah, well, um, if only that was a feasible option. Um, and for someone that loves landscapes and our ecosystem, I just can't imagine why would we why would we why would you destroy this beautiful planet? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess it's it's partly the collective action of lots of people combined rather than one person's deliberate act here. Yeah. But the problem is how do we act collectively to yeah. fix it? Well I think I think if I, if I was um, trying to um, manage this process, I would be thinking that I need two different strategies that I would be running together. One would be massive public engagement to get um, a really high level of um, consensus and building ideas and actually understanding, collecting information to be very responsive. Um, but there is a real place for raw intellect, someone that critically assesses um, uh, thinking um, technically, basically, and I'm an accountant, so um, one of the views is you always want to follow the money. You also, in terms of public policy, you actually want to understand the un unintended consequences. Now, there is no way the size of the complexity of trying to understand how this all works, it, it requires experts of a level that are but you're almost beyond my understanding. Mm -hmm. And just saying, guys, nut it out. Mm. Another aspect of that is to understand, which is probably if I can go back to the importance of strategy and the distinction between strategy and plan. It is critically important to always keep the tensions on the table. When people take the tension off the table because it's uncomfortable, we don't want to have those conversations because I'm going to hurt oil and gas, I'm going to hurt agriculture, I'm going to hurt iwi. 
we can't afford to not eyeball those and keep them in the centre of the table. Mm. We haven't got the time for a long-term approach. We're just going to have to eyeball them and deal with them. Um, I think that's a, it's an incredibly powerful call to action there for our listeners. And uh, our 15 minutes is nearly up, so we want to say a big thank you to you, Wendy. Um, it's been great to have you with us. Sobering, but also a, a fantastic call to action. Thank you very much, everyone. We'd just like to finish by thanking our sponsors, Anticipate, the company that helps you look ahead, plan ahead, and get ahead, and Springload for digital products that catapult your business to the next level. Thanks for listening. Hey, Conera. Hey,